0: The lefty propaganda newspaper, The Guardian, a few years back declared a zombie party, the deepening crisis of conservatism. Their ideas are dead in the water. In like manner, the lefty Australian economic uh, uh, philosopher John Quiggan, in his book, Zombie Economics, explains how conservative ideas like trickle-down economics still walk among us like the living dead. And then there's leftist, Nobel Prize-winning economist Paul Krugman in his book, Arguing with Zombies, Economics, Politics, and the Fight for a Better Future, where he opines that conservative ideas are stupid ideas that just won't die. Hello, America. Welcome to One Nation. I'm your host, Dr. Jake Jacobs. You know, it's absolutely hilarious that when Democrats are in power, leftist economists like Paul Krugman and all these others, they're all for democratic spending and borrowing and raising taxes on the American people. But when a Republican or a conservative comes into power, it's all doom and gloom, and there's going to be a worldwide recession. Here are just a few headlines to remind us of their ideological disdain for conservative economic ideas. Here's from The Politico uh, back in 2016. Paul Krugman, Trump will bring global recession. Here's another one from the New York Times. Everybody hates the Trump tax plan. And of course, another one by Paul Krugman. Why was Trump's tax plan cut a fizzle? There were so many others. It was a flop. It was a fizzle. It was a dismal plan. Now, this is interesting because this is the very same guy that, when they spent almost $2 trillion to save America during the COVID crisis, right? That's Joe Biden. They asked Paul Krugman, would all that money spending create inflation? He says, oh, no, no, don't worry about that. Well, the fact of the matter is Paul Krugman, not too long ago, in fact, this past summer said, I was wrong about inflation. Headline of the New York Times, I was wrong about inflation. By the way, the Secretary of Treasury, Janet Yellen, who used to be the head of the Federal Reserve, she too told us to relax about inflation. Don't worry about it. What's a few trillion dollars printing and spending and borrowing of money we don't have? Don't worry about inflation. And she too, later on, in fact, had to admit, I too was wrong about inflation. Now, before I deal with uh, zombies, and voodoo economics, and Santa Claus, and socialism, I want to remind us about the wisdom of our founding fathers, and the origin of our incredible constitutional federal republic under God. It was the great leader George Washington who said, Government is like a fire, a dangerous servant, and a fearful master. Thomas uh, Paine opined, government, even in its best state, is but a necessary evil. The great thinker, founding father, American president, secretary of state, Thomas Jefferson declared, the government that governs best governs least. And Ronald Reagan warned us that government is not the solution to our problems, government is the problem. I want to take you back to the incredible summer of 1787 when there was a miracle, an amazing miracle in Philadelphia. Our wonderful founding fathers created a constitutional federal republic under God like no other in the history of the world. It was a government of limited, enumerated powers and separation of powers. This is articulated in Article uh, One of the Constitution and it was it was a government that the ultimate sovereign was God almighty then essentially we the people with most of the power in our homes local communities in our townships and villages and counties and cities and then state governments but not in the central government capital of Washington DC and remember this is so important to note And you can check the very first dictionary in American history, Webster's Dictionary, from back in the 1820s. Our founders believed that the family was the most important government. But because of big government today, American families suffer bigly. The federal central government was to be big enough. That was the concept of Founding Fathers. Big enough to protect us from harm, primarily from military harm. That's why if you look in Article 1, the powers given to Congress were primarily about military uh, expenditures to protect us from harm, if we needed their protection. But it was never to be too big to destroy life and liberty. Limited government, limited government is the key. Something we need to remember, our founding fathers were students of world history. They were students of the despotic tyrannical kings of years gone by. and they recognized that kings use taxes for play and pleasure and for power. And if you look in the con- excuse me, the, the Declaration of Independence. It starts out with those beautiful words, we hold these truths to be self-evident, right? That all men are created equal, that we're endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and a pursuit of happiness. And then it goes, it goes on to list about the tyranny and the despotism of the king of England. And it says, the king has refused, the king has forbidden, the king has refused, the king has dissolved, the king has refused, the king has obstructed, on and on and on, attacking the king as a tyrant, as a dictator. And then it says this, he has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. Here's the key, this constitutional federal republic under God was to go by the rule book, the Constitution. And you know what politicians of today have done? They've thrown it away, they've ripped it up, they've discarded it. We now have a federal register that under Barack Obama peaked at 96,000 pages. President Trump comes in and he brings it down to about 61,000 pages. A hundred years ago there were 10 regulatory agencies, today there are 316 officers upon officers coming into our lives, taxing us, and regulating us like never before. Now this is so important for us to grasp and understand that the very nature, the brilliance of the Founding Fathers was limited government based upon enumerated specified powers in the Constitution. And now we find Demopublicans, you know, you, you got the Democrats and you got the Rhinos, you got the Sinos, you know, Republicans a name only, conservatives a name only, Rand Paul calls them the Demopublicans. These politicians who don't give a rat's patootie about a life and liberty in the American family and the ultimate vision of the founders of America. They're only concerned about their self-aggrandizement, about the money they can spend and the plans they can recreate in Washington, D.C. No, generally speaking, from 1787 till about 1913, that limited government plan worked. And then along came the big government progressives and socialists and Marxists by the late 1800s, and they gave us not only the Federal Reserve, which was founded in secrecy, by the way, but they gave us the unelected bureaucratic administrative state and the Federal Progressive Income Tax. By the way, when you read the Communist Manifesto, and you go through the list of things that Karl Marx and Frederick Engels talked about. Number one, the abolition of property. Number two, a heavy progressive or graduated income tax. And by the way, by the way, when you go through this book, the attack on the Christian family is is amazing. It's profoundly ugly and evil. And we're seeing the attack on the American family today come to fruition through uh wokeism through hardcore leftism through the 1619 project and critical race theory and many other left-wing ideologies that are in our schools in our culture in our society today so what you saw is that in the development of this big governmentism this progressivism socialism is they with this progressive tax that they gave us through the federal income tax, the 16th Amendment, the creation of the the Internal Revenue Service, which, by the way, President Biden just gave us 87,000 more Internal Revenue Service agents. And they're even teaching them and arming them so in case we don't pay our taxes, they can come after us. But back to that marginal tax rate, that progressive tax rate. The more you make, the more they take. Woodrow Wilson, the progressive 100 years ago, said, look, it'll only be 3%, maybe 7%, but they wanted to fight a war, and they did, and it exploded to 77%. And so politicians... Whether it be Democrats or Republicans have been arguing, should it be 3%, 7%, 77%, 94%, whatever the case may be, they've been arguing and debating and using the income tax, the progressive tax, to regressively destroy life and liberty. To come into our homes, to invade the privacy of our homes, to know how much money we make. And the more we make, the more they take. That's the bottom line, people. Now... Back in 1980, George H.W. Bush, he was running for president of the United States and in the, government, in the Republican primaries, he went up against a great governor from California called Ronald Reagan, and he had something that he called voodoo economics, voodoo economics. Now, voodoo economics, the term he used in a debate in 1980, that would have been, I think, Somewhere around uh, April, yeah, it was April 10th in Pittsburgh of 1980. Well, a couple of years, and what ended up happening is Ronald Reagan beat him, but Reagan chose him as his VP candidate. I don't think it was a good choice. Uh, But politicians will do that because he wanted to be able to get the more moderate Republicans to join the party together, kind of like when JFK picked LBJ uh, from the southern state of Texas to get more southern vote, the vote to shore up the southern Democratic vote back in 1960. But here's the point. He called Ronald Reagan's plan, his plan for cutting taxes, voodoo economics. And then he lied and said, I never said that. So I want you to see how NBC News handled this back in 1982, 40 years ago. And remember this, please. Here goes.
1: It's commonly believed that back in the Republican primaries of 1980, candidate George Bush referred to Ronald Reagan's economic plans as voodoo economics. Last night, Vice President Bush was asked about that and corrected the record.
2: Well, what I said back then, it's, it's very hard to find. The, you know, actually, let me start over. One, I didn't say it. Nobody, every network's looked for it and none can find it. It was never said. I challenge anybody to find it.
0: Challenge accepted. Let's go back to Carnegie Mellon University, Pittsburgh, April 10th, 1980, George Bush.
2: So what I'm saying is that, that it's, uh, it just isn't gonna work. And it's very interesting that the man who invested this type of what I call a voodoo economic policy. What was that again? what I call a voodoo economic policy.
0: And it's interesting because as they closed down the show from NBC News, there was a smirk on the journalists' faces because they realized they caught that politician in a lie. But that's what politicians do. In fact, it was the same George H.W. Bush when he ran for president in 1988 after President Reagan was finished. He said, read my lips, no new taxes. And what did he do once he was in power? He raised taxes. You know, they say, oh, Karl Marx talks about how, you know, religion, Christianity is the opium of the people. It's the drug. You know what's the drug of politicians? It's taxes. It's spending. It's borrowing. It's printing. That's the opium of the politicians of today. So, George, you know, and also with the media, it's very interesting. If you have something that exposes the lies of Washington, D.C., and the politicians that, uh, that they like, they will lie and cover up. And if you, have, uh, if you expose the truth and reality of politicians that they don't agree with, they will lie about that politician. They will cover up the facts. Now, that term, voodoo economics, had also been called by mostly left-wing politicians, trickle-down economics, That's not a school of economic thought. What it is, it's it's a hackneyed political term that in essence tries to disparage, tries to destroy tax cutting, balancing budgets, living within our means, not printing and spending and borrowing money we don't have. And so they call it trickle down. So here's President Joe Biden in April of 2021, speaking before the American people, talking about trickle down economics. Here goes
3: my fellow americans trickle down trickle down economics has never worked and it's time to grow the economy from the bottom in the middle out
0: It never works, right? Trickle down. Remember this now. Remember this. Trickle. Down. So you got. So you had George H. W. Bush calling it voodoo, right? Here's President Biden calling it trickle down. I mean, Clinton called it trickle down. Uh, Obama called it trickle down. Oh, Pelosi calls it. They all call it trickle down because it's a derisive, negative term to attack tax cutting. Now here is President Biden once again attacking trickle down, saying it doesn't work. Here goes.
3: And the theory was, we've all heard it, and especially the last 15 years, the theory was cut taxes, and those at the top, and the benefits they get will trickle down to everyone. Well, you saw what trickle down does. We've known it for a long time, but this is the first time we've been able to, since the Johnson administration, and maybe even before that, to begin to change the paradigm. We've seen time and time again that that trickle down does not work. And by the way, we don't have anything against w- wealthy people. you got a great idea. You're going to go out and make millions of dollars. That's fine. I have no problem with that. But guess what? you got to pay your fair share. you got to pay some because guess what? Folks are making on the, living on the edge, they're paying. And so, again, all it's done is make those of the top richer in the past and everyone else falling behind. This time. It's time that we build an economy that grows from the bottom up and the middle out. The middle
0: out. See, trickle down doesn't work. Bottom up, middle out. You know, the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. And we've got to make those evil rich. You know, they've got to make them pay. Sounds like Karl Marx at his finest, doesn't it? Now, what's really interesting is the Democrats. It's not just the Democrats. It's the left-wing media. They don't want you to know your history. When there's a historical fact and historical reality that's an inconvenient truth that throws a wrench into their attacks uh, uh, of uh, cutting taxes, when there's a wrench on the expansion of of government, of slowing down government, of stopping spending and, and borrowing and printing of money, what they want to do is they want to ignore the past, they or what they do is they have their so-called fact-finders lie and deny or f- make it up. In the Democratic National Committee, in their historical websites, the website, they don't talk about John F. Kennedy's trickle-down philosophy. They don't mention that. And it's funny because what happens is they have a slew of apologists or writers or left-wing historians, right, who will say, well, well, wait a minute, you know, John F. Kennedy, he, was for, he wasn't for tax cuts. Yeah, we know he said it, and yeah, we know we had a tax cut that came out uh, in 1964, You know, based upon his views of lowering the tax rate, but that's not exactly, you know, tax cutting. And and so they'll lie. They'll deny. They'll ignore. And they actually make what Ronald Reagan did. They'll do the same thing with Ronald Reagan. Reagan was about deficits. Reagan wasn't about prosperity and creating of jobs. So there's a slew, an army of left-wing historians who are out there lying and denying and distorting historical facts. Did you hear President Biden, in that last clip, said he's going back all the way to LBJ? First time since Johnson and maybe before him. before him. Well, let's go to the president right before Johnson. John Fitzgerald Kennedy talking about tax cuts. Here goes. The worst deficit comes from a recession. And if we can
2: take the proper action in the proper time, this can be the most important step we could take to prevent another recession. That is the right kind of a tax cut, both for your family budget and the national budget, resulting from a permanent basic reform and reduction in our rate structure. A creative tax cut, creating more jobs and income and eventually more revenue.
0: Now, there he is, saying a tax cut for the American family, a tax cut for the the American people. Now, you won't hear that from Democrats today, because what are they? They're high on the drug of spending and taxing and borrowing and expansion of government like never before. Now, let's go back. Kennedy's got a few more words that I want you to hear. This is very important. Here goes
2: such a bill will be presented to the Congress for action next year it will include an across the board top-to-bottom cut in both corporate and personal income taxes it will include long-needed tax reform that logic and equity demand and it will date that cut in taxes to take effect as of the start of next year January 1963 The billions of dollars this bill will place in the hands of the consumer and our businessmen will have both immediate and permanent benefits to our economy. Every dollar released from taxation that is spent or invested will help create a new job and a new salary. And these new jobs and new salaries can create other jobs and other salaries, and more customers and more growth for an expanding
0: American economy. You just heard a minute and a half of John Fitzgerald Kennedy talking about tax cuts for corporations, for individuals, and saying every dollar that is released from being taxed comes back to the consumer, comes back to the American family, and then goes out into the American society. It creates jobs upon jobs upon jobs. This is something the Democrats, the, the Demo Republicans. The progressives, the socialists, the Marxists don't want you to know that G- John F. Kennedy had a, conserv- a fiscal conservative policy. And they get, you know, when, when conservatives like me come along and remind people of that, oh, no, no, there's the so called fact finders, right? They lie and distort and pervert and say, Kennedy didn't mean that. Kennedy didn't do that. He most certainly did. In fact, listen to what Kennedy said talking about the paradoxical truth about taxes that'll blow you away. It is a paradoxical truth that tax rates are too high and tax revenues are too low. And the soundest way to raise the revenues in the long run is to cut the tax rates. Cutting taxes is now is not to incur a budget deficit but to achieve the more prosperous, expanding economy, which can bring a budget surplus. This, this, is, this is what Joe Biden would call trickle-down. This is what George H.W. Bush would call voodoo. Now, this is interesting because there was people say, oh, that's Art Laffler curve. That's Ronald Reagan. No, Ronald Reagan wasn't even governor of California at this point. John F. Kennedy, like Ronald Reagan, was a student of history. He was not only a World War II hero in the U.S. Navy, but he also understood Calvin Coolidge. Calvin Coolidge, with his Secretary of Treasury by the name of Andrew Mellon, a brilliant economist, lowered the marginal tax rate down to 25%, and it exploded the economy. They call it the Roaring Twenties, economic innovativeness, creativeness, productivity, capital flow into American society like never never before, prosperity, flourishment like never before. And it was the stupid Herbert Hoover, there's a Republican, right, who raised the taxes, tariffs galore, and the Federal Reserve that also destroyed what was going on with the prosperity of the 1920s. I only have a few minutes left, so I can't go on to that history. But my whole point is when John F. Kennedy called for the lowering of corporate taxes and individual taxes, he understood the paradoxical truth that you can tax too high and actually diminish revenue, or you can tax just right and you can expand revenue plus the economy. And that's exactly what happened. And now remember something, by the way. When Calvin Coolidge was president, Ronald Reagan was in high school, and he also started college at the tail end of Calvin Coolidge's administration. He was an economics major in Eureka College in, in Illinois back in the late 20s, early 1930s. He experienced a Great Depression. He saw the brilliance of Andrew Mellon, Secretary of Treasuries, understanding that the tax rate was too high. And by the way, I forgot to mention this, but Calvin Coolidge was able to pay off a significant amount of the war debt the progressives gave America at that time period. Remember how the kings and the tyrants love to tax so they can play, so they can go to war, and they can enjoy the prosperity of the fruits of your labor. Remember, the power to tax is the power to destroy. And that's what the progressives, the socialists, and the Marxists and the demo publicans are all about today. So remember this Ronald Reagan was a student of Calvin Coolidge and Andrew Mellon. So let's hear what Ronald Reagan had to say about his economic plan and how profoundly efficacious it was. Here goes.
1: In this present crisis, Government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. Our proposal is for a 10% across-the-board cut every year for three years in the tax rates for all individual income taxpayers make a, a total cut in tax rates of 30%. If the deficit continues to grow, it will not be because the Congress cut taxes too much, but because it refused to cut spending enough. They just can't face discovering that their tax and tax spend and spend philosophy over all these years didn't work, doesn't work, and won't work. No one that I know in this government has any intention of taking away the checks that these people are getting. I've said it over and over again, but somehow it does not get as much attention as the lies that have been told by those who want to portray us as somehow out to destroy Social Security. Thank you. But let them be forewarned, no matter how well-intentioned they might be, no matter what their illusions might be, I have my veto pen drawn and ready for any tax increase that Congress might even think of sending up. And I have only one thing to say to the tax increasers, go ahead, make my day. we've seen some healthy results on this trading floor. Those tax cuts help re-energize the stock market, the volume of shares traded hitting record highs, and more Americans than ever before participating in the market. That's our economic program for the next four years. We're going to turn the bull loose.
0: Oh, I missed the gipper. And as you're listening to this, I'll actually be sitting at the Reagan Ranch in California teaching on his life and also a seminar related to the evils of, of communism and central planning. That has plagued the world for the last 100 years but look at what reagan was saying he goes there they are the politicians the taxers and spenders and we come along and we lower the marginal tax rate so you can keep your money what the politicians forget is they take our money it's not their money it's our money and they act like somehow it is their money And we need to remind them that the founders of this country understood that the power to tax was the power to destroy. It's the power to destroy property, life, and liberty. Over and over again, we have to remind the American people of that reality. And you know what the so-called fact finders will do? Just like John Fitzgerald Kennedy's tax cuts. Oh, Reagan destroyed the economy. Oh, Reagan's deficit. You know, it was horrible and deplorable. Every time Reagan did a, a compromise with them, the Democrats kept on spending and spending and spending. And even his vice president, when he became president, he says, read my lips, no new taxes. But what did George H.W. do? He raised taxes, and they kept on spending. This has been the problem. This is what our founders warned us about. Donald Trump comes along, by the way, and he he, he, he applies What George H.W. Bush called voodoo economics, what Biden called trickle down economics. And he says, We're going to cut corporate taxes. We're going to cut individual taxes. Oh my God, the rich are going to get richer. Yes, the rich did prosper more, but the rich also created more jobs. In fact, Trump says, We're going to actually cut taxes on small businesses. Ron Johnson, right here from the state of Wisconsin, was responsible for one of the best tax cuts for small businessmen in America, and it worked resoundingly. The Trump's tax cuts worked. In fact, the, uh, the economist, the advisor for President Trump by the name of Stephen Moore, wrote the book GovZilla, how the relentless growth of government is devouring our economy and our freedom, too. I want you to hear from him about the success of the Trump tax cuts. Here goes. The Trump tax cuts are at stake in this election, and as you may know, Joe Biden was in upstate New York yesterday saying he inherited a terrible recession because of the Trump tax cuts. MAGA, Mega, trickle down, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So the Trump tax cuts, what's their fate going to be?
4: Well, first of all, they were a huge success, Larry, and you had a huge hand in, in helping craft those. And, and so look, at look, the economy exploded after those tax cuts. You know the numbers, lowest poverty rate uh, for all Americans, lowest unemployment rate, big, big gains in, in real middle-income uh, households, uh, take-home pay, uh, exactly the opposite of sort of what we've seen under Biden. And I'm going to add another one, Larry. How about the tax receipts? They're up, 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 up mm-hmm. since that tax cut. And, and so uh, th- that's all good news. There's no reason not to make these permanent. Some of them expire uh, in 25 and 26 and 27. And I say to the Republicans when they take over Congress, let's just make it all permanent, those lower tax rates. And don't forget, these were not tax cuts for the rich, Larry. Small businesses got a big tax cut, thanks in no small part to Gary Johnson of Wisconsin. Uh, we also had the lower corporate tax rate, which brought a flood of capital into the United States. It worked like a charm. Let's make it permanent.
0: Now, Stephen Moore mistakenly called the great senator from the state of Wisconsin, Gary Johnson. He met Ron Johnson, because Ron Johnson, who was a businessman, by the way, not a lifer politician like Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, right? But he understood the nature of helping businesses flourish, people flourish, lower their taxes. But we live in a day and age of Santa Claus socialism, people. Santa Claus socialism, when I asked the, go- the grown-ups to judge for themselves what Christmas present they wanted, they all, they all chose socialism. That's absolute rubbish. That's absolute rubbish, but in this day and age, you got Biden right before the election saying, you know what, no more student loans, gifts for everyone. You know, Santa Claus is, here it is, you want this, we'll give you that. You're an illegal alien, come on into the country, free education, free food stuff. We live in a day and age of growing a class of moochers, dependency class. No longer actually living strongly, independently on their own, but turning to the government to bail them out. I got to tell you what, people, more and more the thinking is that Santa Claus is real, and he's a democratic socialist. This is, Santa Claus is real, says Kern Affairs, and he's a democratic socialist. You don't know, like the socialist squad? Elcasio cortez who de- demands spending of trillions of more dollars. Santa Claus of North, Polo- North Pole, Alaska, is running for Congress on a progressive platform. Can the true Christmas spirit of love and solidarity triumph against the right-wing politics of Sarah Palin? Unbelievable people that more and more and more They they, they say now the Zoomers that voted in droves for Democrats, for Biden's agenda, who want more free stuff, more gifts under the tree, that somehow they think that it's not going to cost somebody. There's no such thing as a free lunch. Somebody has to pay. And I think Maggie Thatcher, I think she's the one who said it the best. The problem with socialism is that eventually, you run out of other people's money. We tax people who work, and we pay people who don't work. The more we make, the more they take, and they think you can tax, spend, and borrow our way into prosperity. And it ain't happening. We have inflation now because of the asinine, ridiculous policies of Joe Biden and the Democrats. And we need to to resoundingly let the country know, let the people know, the buck stops here. Enough already. Maybe, you know, maybe in this darkness there's sunshine. Ronald Reagan was from the sunshine state of California. Well, the official sunshine state is Florida. And maybe there's another Ronald out there who can help us turn this around. But it's not just one man, one woman. It's not just Congress where, according to the rule book, it should be congressional. Uh, the Congress should be dealing with the expenditures. This administrative bureaucratic state has exploded, and we must find a way to rein in the, this deep swamp madness that's going on. So more and more Americans need to get involved and elect authentic conservatives fiscal conservatives and fight this madness in Washington DC so my fellow Americans until we meet again god speed to you god bless and happy trails to you